Dan Pellegrino stops by the podcast today to talk some baseball. And of course, when we say baseball, we mean his beloved San Diego Padres. The Padres, fresh off their wildcard series victory over St. Louis, go into the Lions' den. They take on the L.A. Dodgers, the best team in Major League Baseball here in 2020. He'll talk about that upcoming NLDS series, along with his thoughts on his former teammate Joe Kelly pitching for the Dodgers and how big it would be for San Diego for the Padres to pull the upset. That's Dan Pellegrino coming up next. We're back after a little bit of a hiatus. The baseball playoffs in high gear, both league division series. Well, the American League started yesterday. The National League about to start today. That's why I'm bringing in my guest, uh, Dan Pellegrino. Dan, longtime baseball professional, still teaches and loves the game, but most importantly is a lifelong, grew up in Poway, lifelong San Diego Padres fan. What's the temperature like over there, sir? All this excitement, I, I, can you take it, is the first I, question. I, well, I woke up this morning. This all, I woke up this morning, like, anxious, like my heart was beaten. It was like, it was, we're going to have a Friday night game against Cal State Fullerton tonight. Right. That's what I felt. It was a morning of a Cal State, Cal State Fullerton series. I'm so excited. This is the biggest week in San Diego Padre. It has to be the biggest week in San Diego Padre history. Well, you got the, you got the gear on. So now let's do a little context. You're, are, you, know, you were what? You were third or fourth grade in 98, and then yeah. the last time they made the playoffs or the postseason, you were, I think, in 11th grade. Correct. So it's, it's been a while for you to be able to celebrate this stuff. It's been a long, long time. I'm in uh, multiple group texts with just like some, some slow pitch softball buddies, some of my high school buddies, some of my work buddies, you know, and a lot of, a lot of whom are San Diego natives. Uh, it's just, if you grow up here, it's a hard place to leave. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, we are all just on pins and needles. I mean, it's the first time that you can feel it in the air. It's the first time that, uh, the Padres have ever crossed paths with the Dodgers in the playoffs. And listen, we're, we love the position that we're in. We meaning the pods, right? Because, Mm -hmm. We're playing the underdog position, I'm, I'm, and and that's that's we've got nothing to lose. So that's that's where we want to be. But I'm sure we'll get into that here in a bit. Let's take Let's, back for a moment. Give me. Do you have a memory from '98 from that World Series run in '98? What's your what's your you know? Because that's when we start loving baseball. Eight, nine, ten years old. That's when I started loving baseball. Yep. Give me that memory that you have from that team. Okay. God, there's so many of them. So. So I think the the first one that sticks out to me is uh, game four, I believe. Hopefully my history serves me correctly. Uh, Tony Nix and I went to it. Uh, his parents took us. We sat in the plaza level. Um, so, you know, at the at the Murph, that it was called at the time, right? Jack Murphy Stadium. There's that. It's like a bowl. It's Qualcomm Stadium. It's that old school, looks like the Coliseum type deal. Um, it's that it's the, the first row is called that plaza level. The row above that is where we sat in left field, um, in the NLD NLCS, we played the Braves. Um, so, so Tony and I went to game four with his folks. That was my first 
memory. I believe we, I believe we won that game. Um, and then I, uh, you know, I don't know if it's cause I remember watching on TV or I remember that you play it over and over again. It's classic. It's when we clinch the NLDS, uh, sorry, NLCS, there is a fly, fly the last out to fly ball to center field and you hear Jerry, Jerry Coleman and Steve Finley's coming in and he's left-handed and he catches it. And the Padres have clinched the National League pennant of 1998. Oh, doctor. And it's uh, just wow. a historic epic. And uh, that's, that's, what I, that's what I remember the most, uh, along with some World Series memories also, like Tony Gwynn and Greg Vaughn going back-to-back, which were obviously short-lived. We got swept. So. Well, I'll tell you, Mike, because I was an intern here. I was an intern at, at, at W era KABC, um, Rob Fukuzaki and Bill Weir. And I was a, I was the young intern in there, and I was covering. And they knew that I was a Yankees fan. And there was an argument in the press room about if the Yankee fans were going to boo Tony Gwynn. Mm-hmm. And I said, "There is no way they're going to boo Tony Gwynn. There is no way they're going to boo." And 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 sure enough, he they I mean, you know all the Padres get kind of a lukewarm reception, and then Tony Gwynn steps up, and the entire Yankee stadium roars for Tony Gwynn. And it, luckily for me, I think you might have been there. When you guys played San Diego State later when I was doing the game, I actually asked Tony Gwynn about that. And had a oh, great, he did. A great response about it. And he actually said he was surprised. He goes, I didn't expect to get booed, but I certainly didn't expect to get cheered. And right. uh, he got a big cheer. So that's my big memory from that World Series, aside from the two brocious home runs in, in Game cool. 4. Um, but, um, but, you know, so the Padres uh, finally have a little bit of momentum after losing the first game against St. Louis – they come back and they were and there's a lot of we'll get into it. There's a lot of um, incongruous stuff. You know, the, there's a lot of outlier stuff, which happens when you don't have your first two starting pitchers. But take me through the roller coaster, the emotional roller coaster for a Padre fan. You lose game one mm. and all of a sudden in game two, you're down six to two. What are you thinking? I, I, well, after game one, first first and foremost, I mean, devastation. Right. Like we've been waiting since 11th grade for the season. I don't care if it's the Corona shortened season and, and it's it, it's still the playoffs. And it's kind of fun this year how, how it ended up working out with the playoffs and the seeding. So there's all this anticipation. And then we lose game one. And it's it's the collective sigh uh, from the forgotten sports town of the United States, San Diego. And it's here we go again. Right. Uh, we we have this uber talented team and we're steamrolling into the playoffs with all this momentum. And of course, we're playing the Cardinals and we're one and nine against the Cardinals all time in the playoffs. Like, of course, of course, we're playing the Cardinals. I don't care what seed they are. It's just never fun to play the Cardinals when, when Yadier Molina is catching and he's healthy because they can beat anybody on any day. That's just that's just the bottom line, right? So we lose game one, it it tremendous letdown, and and then heading into game two, you could feel the momentum um, was on their side, right? We were down six to two in the fourth, maybe. Yeah. Was that was that what it was? And I remember it was I think it was the fifth by the fourth or the fifth, and I remember it was a four to two game, and I remember texting my my buddy who's a Padre season ticket holder. I said they got a hold here. I said four to two, no problem. They got They can't allow a run if they want to win this game. Right. And the next thing you know, you look up and it's six to two, and you're like, whoa, 
But then here comes the cavalry, no pun intended, here come the Padres, and all of a sudden it's it's a free-for-all. All these young free swinging guys start hitting the ball, and they, they throw it all over the place. Right. It, it was one moment, too, that flipped the momentum, and it was Tatis uh, pulling his head out of his you-know-what and just starting to have fun and be a kid again and play the game that he loves. He hit that three-run bomb to right field, and then the floodgates were open, and the Cardinals were completely done because obviously Machado went back-to-back with him, and the, the, it was just the, the train was not getting derailed at that point. And what's interesting is coming in, you know, like you talk about the expanded playoffs, if this had been a regular season, now granted they only played 60 games, the Padres would have been in because they were the fourth best record in the NL. So they would have hosted the wild card game had this had they not expanded the playoffs. And they were third in the major leagues in runs. They were eighth in the major leagues in ERA and fourth in OPS. So they, they you know, the Padres, they, they had, I think all the teams in the playoffs, aside from the Dodgers and the Rays can say this, they were pretty streaky. I remember we talked the first time we talked, remember they 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 lost a bunch. They were really playing well. They had that one losing streak. I think they lost four or five in a row, and then they they got healthy again. They turned it back around again, and they were pretty consistent from about mid-August till the end of the season. Right. Uh, it's interesting that you bring that up. So, just kind of watching throughout the course of the season here how much different I felt like because teams knew the, uh, the playoffs were expanded. It, it made it really fun, especially down the stretch because there were so many that had a chance to get into the dance that, you know, we've talked about over the past couple of years, like it's been a big topic in the media and, and what have you about teams tanking. Right. And, right. Oh, I'm going to rebuild and tank for three or four years. You didn't see that this year no. because it was a, it was a shortened season. Um, and you look at a team like the Reds, okay, where uh, a team like the Marlins who are still in it, right, yeah. and beat the Cubs in a short series. I mean, how yeah. fun is that? The, the Marlins were, quote, unquote, five years away from contending a year ago, and now they're in the playoffs, right? So yeah. That, yeah. that really made an interesting dynamic to the season, and it made, a, made for really fun August and September baseball. Well, really, the, the central divisions in both leagues got beat up, but – if you look at what's going on now, the National League, you got, you know, the Padres and the Dodgers and the Braves and the Marlins. And the Marlins are really the only outlier in that because the Braves and the Dodgers and the right. Padres, you knew they were going to be in the postseason. Right. In the American League, same deal, right? You get the, the two teams are the A's and the Rays. The Yankees, you figured would they would have still been in had it been a regular playoff. They would have had to play on the road against Cleveland in the one-game playoff. And then the outlier is the Astros, who were in the World Series last year. So how much of an outlier can you really say they are? They've already won game one of the NLDS. So I think guys like you and me, who are a little upset about the randomness of 16 teams, best of three, you know, it just shows kind of over the season, the the the, the long-term long-term 60 game schedule has kind of played out you know a couple teams probably aren't too happy about it i'm sure the indians aren't particularly happy or the reds aren't really that happy about it but you know that's baseball as they say such as such as uh the major leagues let's get to the padres matchup okay we talked about the padres already dodgers best record uh best era most runs scored yep now the padres in the season did okay they were six and four against them and it was actually four and four 
until the middle of September when the Dodgers won those last two games. Um, I think it was in San Diego. I think it was at Petco. They won those last two games. And um, uh, so that's the matchup. And I think that's the matchup the Padre fans wanted just for the excitement about being able to take on a division rival and then, you know, kind of the big brother team up the five freeway. Am I, am I wrong? Oh, no, no doubt about it. No doubt. The only bummer about the matchup is that there's no fans allowed and it's being played in Texas. Right. I I think it would, (laughs) it would add to, it would add to the electricity of the situation. If it was, you know, we were playing at Chavez Ravine and park and, um, you know, we could we could make that commute. I, I know I would be taking work off to go up there to Dodger Stadium for sure, uh, yeah. no matter how much it costs. Yeah. I mean, that my wife and I would be headed up there right now, probably. You, and, you, and you, don't, text, you, don't, you don't text Joe Kelly and say, hey, can you help me out, brother? <laughs> or, 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 or text Doug Smith there you and go. say, hey, Doug, can you text Joe Kelly? Yeah, exactly. I, I I would I I don't I I really work hard to not be that guy because I'm sure Joe gets a hundred texts that are that are asking Hey Joe can you help me out with X Y Z This so. is special though it's your you you know you're his old teammate you haven't seen your team in the playoffs since you were in eleventh grade Yeah that's a good point hey, that's a good point maybe uh, maybe I see if we can get me and Nick's two tickets and we fly out there if our wives want to go too There you go There you go Okay. <laughs> Good call. So, um, so anyway, um, so the, I mean, how, how exciting, how exciting. So here, for me, Gasol, we'll, we'll probably get into the matchup a little bit, but here's the, here's what it comes down to. Is Lamette and Clevenger healthy, period, right? Because here, here's the matchup uh, on paper the first day, because the Dodgers are a complete team. You, you said it. They have the best they're, ERA. They're the best, the most they're the best team. I mean, whether you look at performance or numbers, they've been the best team. 100%. Here's here's the, the one-line summary of what this series is going to be about, and it's in the pitch, starting pitching. What, what, what you see on the, on, the, on the box score right now or, you know, the, the upcoming game log, it says uh, Bueller versus TBD. Who the hell is TBD? Right. And and is it the good Zach Davies that shows up, or is it the Zach Davies we saw in Game Two, right? Is it? Um, although I do think that there had to some some NL NL Central element to what happened to Zach Davies in Game Two, right? Because the Cardinals had seen him a ton, yeah, uh, being with the Brewers obviously for as long as he was. So I think that the Dodgers. They make me nervous against a guy like Zach Davies because they they have a, a really good mix on that lineup of veteran presence like a Justin Turner type, but they also have some young electric energy like Cody Bellinger, like him or not. He's an incredible talent, right? So, so we need a starting pitcher or a number one to be dominant, and it's not Paddock because he's too young. He showed us that in game one. When he against St. Louis, when he threw every ball over the center of the plate and he got shellacked, right? It's it's Lamette. Lamette's fastball slider combination, if he's healthy, is is has to be one of the best fastball slider combinations I've ever seen. I I mean, when you think of that, it's 101 with a devastating 92 mile an hour slider. You can't hit that. Period. You just can't. It's not fair. That you need that type of dominance 
uh, at the top of your rotation if you're going to have a chance to beat a team like the Dodgers? Well, I got good news and I got bad news. So re- as of the reports this morning, okay. Clevenger, yes. Okay. Met, no. They're, I mean, I, I, and, and, you know, I think the Padres, understandably, are being cagey about this. They should. But all the reporters that are close to it seem to think that Lamette would be available if the Padres advanced, probably won't be available for the series against the Dodgers, which obviously doesn't bode well for the Padres. I mean, you got through St. Louis without any of your starters, you know, your, your main guys. Right. If you get Clevenger, that's a big boost. Obviously, I agree with you. I think Lamette would have been a huge boost for them if they could get both of them back. But obviously, one is better than none. But you'd rather have both of them available for this team, as we both kind of agreed on, had, at this point, are the best team in baseball right now. Yeah, you know, so hearing that, so d- is it confirmed that, that Lamette is not on the roster for this Nothing series? Is, I'm, just, I'm reading what beat got reporter it. guys are reporting. I don't think anything will be official until the, conf- the pregame press conferences today. Got it. Understood. Okay, so I, I think if, if I'm – if I'm AJ Preller and Jason Tingler, right, and I know that there's a lot more that goes into this series. As a fan, my heart tells me you do everything you can to win this series. If I'm using my head and there is any inkling that Lamette is not healthy, because it kind of sounds like to me, granted, they're playing it close to the chest, right? I mean, they're doing the yeah. Bill Bel- their best Bill Belichick, which I like. I, I actually appreciate being in that position for once and, uh, if there's any inkling at all that there, this could be a long-term issue for Lamette, uh, you leave him off this roster for this for this series. You don't even make it an option, and you throw Clevenger in game two or three when he's when he can full will go full healthy, right? Because a, a fully healthy rested Clevenger is better than an 80% Clevenger, and it's better than any other option that we have in the rotation, to be honest. So that's that's kind of where my head's at. And Lamette is a guy, he's already had Tommy John once. And when I heard that he was having quote unquote issues, I read some articles and whatever, but like, you know, bicep or something like bicep. yeah, I've seen so many arm injuries and no matter what the media says, I got, I got sick to my stomach because I immediately thought to myself, that it's a second TJ immediately. Like my, that's where my head goes. That's the way I'm wired. Like it's the worst case scenario. Right. And if, if that's the case, then next year's gone too. Right. Right. So if you're a front office thinking with your head, that to me, that's, that's the no brainer move. So let's do some positive here. The injuries. Um, this is wild. And I, I didn't look up, I should have looked up more, but, I didn't realize that no Padre pitcher pitched more than two and a third innings in that previous series. So you used eight, nine, and nine pitchers in the three games. The bullpen got a workout. And as much as they threw, Dan, they only gave up four earned runs in 22 innings. You know? Yeah. And then your starters over – that's the la- you know the guy who started game three, Stan, and only uh, pitched an inning in two-thirds. Six innings, ten earned runs for your starters. Now they only went six innings. To me – if you can get six or seven out of Clevenger for a game, that's a huge infusion for the Padres. I mean, if they can get six out of them in game two, how big is that for the Padres to kind of at least have an option to rest their bullpen? Because you remember 
this series is going to go five straight games. There are no off days in this series. Right. Right. That's that's absolutely huge. So if we can get so here here's kind of my feel for for it. If we can get five innings or more out of any of our starters, we'll win that game. Okay, because exactly what you said, I mean, and, and it's been the Dodgers Achilles heel. It's the reason they went out and spent all the money on Joe. Right. Like mm-hmm. uh, that. Kenley Jansen's a question mark at the back end. You have Baez, who's a really good, but he can be shaky. If if we can get a starter through five innings and be within striking distance and get into that bullpen somehow, uh, you know, in the fourth, fifth inning, in either game one or game two, the Padres will have a chance to win the series. If it, we make it an entire bullpen series, we'll lose because that offense is just too good. But it's part of the genius of what AJ has done to assemble this roster, right? Like he's assembled a a roster that is is okay. You know, it's always been a long term plan since we went for it in 2015, right? It's been a long term. Okay, our window is going to be about right now. It's going to start to open. He wants to leave that window open for four to five years. So what did he go do at the trade deadline? Gasol this year. He went and got bullpen pieces, right? He went and got Clevenger. Right. Unfortunate with the injuries, but look at what the bullpen did. Exactly what you said. You threw those stats out there. It was an entire bullpen day in game three. We had Craig Stammen start for heaven's sakes. He was, he was fantastic for an inning and a third. Right. And, and the Cardinals scored no runs and we won four to zero. And it wasn't ever a point that I felt like the Cardinals really were even in that game. Like it could have been 12 to zero. Right. My point kind of is that it, it's if it comes down to a bullpen series, we'll lose, right? Um, if the, the the Padres starters are able to get into the game and eat some innings, we have a chance. You know, we were texting about this yesterday, um, whereas the randomness, I think any kind of randomness in the series favors the Padres, the mm-hmm. control, you know, if this thing goes chalk, the Do- you know, the Dodgers probably sweep or win in four, right? Yep. If you get seven out of Kershaw, seven out of Bueller, boom, 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 it's going to be tough for the Padres. Where I think the Padres have an advantage is if it's a random, the, the, you know, the, the young teams are like, I remember talking, listening to football talk, and they were like, you know, when Peyton Manning was really established, Archie Manning said, the one thing about Peyton Manning is he needs everything under control, Right. Mm-hmm. And then he was saying that that Eli's not like that. Eli loves the chaos. He absorbs the chaos. And that's kind of how I would look at the Dodgers. Not that the Dodgers couldn't win a chaotic series. They have obviously the firepower and the pitching and you never know. You know, Urias comes in there and throws five out of the bullpen and then all of a sudden you're like, whoa. But right. from the first series, the Padres seem to thrive on that particularly their young guys with the big bats, you know, Tatis, Will Myers. I mean, Tommy Pham had a big series against St. Louis. Um, and I think you and I were discussing this. The The problem I see for the Padres is now you're playing a team with firepower. Now you're playing a team right. one through nine. There are no easy outs in that lineup. And it's a little bit longer of a series also, right? I mean, uh, to be honest, a, a five-game series is much different than a three-game series. You can win a three-game series on raw emotion, right? Uh, uh, in a, in a, which is what the Padres did. They, they, they got, the Padres got outplayed 
for 12 of the 27 innings that they played. I'm sorry. They out look, flip that. They outplayed the Cardinals for 12 of the 27 innings, which which ultimately, in Doug Smith terms, right, you lose the series. Outplayed more innings than than you outplay your opponent, right? Um, it just happened to. It, so so it's impossible to tell me baseball is a game of momentum, right? Baseball is not a game of momentum because it is, right? The Padres got the momentum. They carried it into game three, and then um, the rest is history, and it's a it's a 2-1 win for the Padres, right? So, so I think that it, it's going to be really important that, that you're absolutely right. I love the analogy, the, the Eli, uh, Eli Payton man analogy, and you said it earlier in the broadcast. It's the big brother, little brother. That's exactly what the Dod- – we're the little brother to the Dodgers, right? So we thrive on chaos um, when – when Cronenworth's hitting the ball off the wall and Tatis is bat flipping and we're in the dugout dancing with our local boy Greg Garcia and we're having a great time, that terrifies a team like the Dodgers because the Dodgers want to just methodically wear you down. Their roster's built for the long term. But like we talked about, they're so, so balanced, and that's why they win 100 games every year in a long season. That's an absolute grind, right? But – uh, I think that the Padres do have a little bit of an edge. Short season, lots of energy. Um, if if you can start making a team like that put a little bit of doubt in their head, boy, I mean, we we might see we might see it flip the other way because I know for a fact the Dodgers hear all the critics that say you haven't won since 1988. And this and that, at least that's what I'm saying as a Dodger critic. That's for sure. And that hits them deep, right? That hits them deep. It's true. It's been over 30 years. Um, big series. We already talked about Tatis and Will Myers' big series. Um, Machado had the one home run, but I think he only got in the series. And then Hosmer, I think, had a, a good game one. But after that, he wasn't really a factor. Or, sorry, game two, but wasn't much of a factor in games one or three. Um, those guys you would expect, Hosmer and Machado meaning, will probably be needed for the Padres to beat the Dodgers. Oh, 100%. 100%. So it's funny, like, when you look at the numbers, okay, it's part of why a guy like Haas has been criticized his first couple, two, three years in San Diego because he really isn't going to – he's not a guy that you're going to put – is going to put up monster numbers over the, the span of a season. He's just not. But here, but here's why AJ loves him. Here's why we got him. Who drove? Who hit the double to break the zero-zero tie in Game Three? Right. Do you remember? Hosmer. Missile to left center field. Right. It's it was classic vintage Kansas City Royal Eric Hosmer. The guy just he you want him up to the plate in big spots. Right. That's why we paid three hundred million dollars for him or two hundred eighty million dollars. That's exactly why it's not to go out and hit 56 home runs, which is what that sometimes I call San Diego just lovingly dumb, dumb sports fans. Right. That's what we think when we go and give a guy a contract like that. We got him for moments like that. You can see team guy. He needs pieces around him. And uh, Machado is very, very similar in that regard. Because, and you can see it just in the way they approach their bats, right? Yeah, Machado might have gotten two hits uh, in the series total, but I would argue that his back-to-back, he, aside from 
Um, aside from Tatis's three-run homer, uh, I think Machado's back-to-back homer was the second biggest hit of the whole series, right? Because that that was what really. I mean, yeah, obviously Tatis is happy because all of a sudden he remembered how to play the game again, right? <laughs> and that gets that gets that gets our team pumped up. But then Machado goes back to back, and then we start to believe. You know, the Padres slogan has always been, you know, it's the little fryer guy, and it's always been keep the faith, right? Right. So uh, that that's that helped us keep the faith there as a club, and that's why we have those guys. And you just look at the way they approach their at bats, Gasol, and it's very interesting. I want you to watch this week, okay? And watch the deep breaths that they take at the plate, just trying to compose themselves, stay in the moment, right? And you don't see them chase a lot of bad, especially Machado, but Haas too. You don't see them chase bad pitches because they don't let the situation dictate their approach at the plate. Right. They just go up there and play the game, right? Right. Um, so winding down here, I know you got to get get to work here, but how cool is it for you to see your old teammate? I know he's playing for the other team, but – how cool is it to see your old teammate Joe Kelly uh, at the, you know in the in the postseason? I mean, you caught that guy. Uh, mm-hmm. How cool is it to see? I mean, I mean, you've seen a few of your teammates I know over the years, but this has got to be special for you. And uh, there's 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 your boy Joe up on the hill. It, it every time every time I see Joe out there, it it gives me chills like of excitement. I mean, that's how cool it is for me. Like. Uh, it's almost it's almost like some of those guys, and especially a guy like Joe, who I'm very close with, obviously, like it, you know, they're living out my my childhood dream, the thing I wanted to do since I was five years old, and I'm living vicariously through them. So I almost feel like I'm there, you know, which is which. So I just, regardless of him being on the Dodgers or or the the Red Sox or the Cardinal, I mean, I'm I'm rooting for that guy no matter what. It, it, he's he'll be my teammate for life. Um, and same goes for, for all the guys that I know in the bigs, right? I mean, it, it really is a, it's a, it's a family thing when, when you spend that much time with somebody and you've been on a team with them, whether it's in college or su- college summer ball or high school or whatever it is, like you yeah. look at Dickerson, same, same type of deal, right? He's a year younger than me, a 06 grad or sorry, 08 grad from Pali high, uh, same type of deal, right? It's so been so awesome to see those guys succeed uh, at the highest level on the planet. So um, definitely shout rooting out, for shout them. Out, shout and out Robert Brantley, who's on the reserve roster for the Yankees. How about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that's a great one that you brought up, too. Because forget this. Just a quick story. Uh, I learned so much from Rob. Um, you know, my sophomore year, came into UCR. Uh, he was a... Uh, hot shot freshman got drafted out of Temecula, left-handed hitter. All the physical tools in the world, right? Uh, ended up taking my starting job through halfway through my sophomore year, right? And it wasn't until the beginning of my junior year where I finally figured out how to be a good teammate and root and legitimately root for him and pull for him. And you saw the offensive numbers as a team our junior year. Uh, that I mean, we hit over 50 home runs as a team. It was it was insane how good that offense was, right? And and I was a big was a big part of that as a bench player, right? I had the best year of my college career as a bench player. But that couldn't have happened if 
I wouldn't have been pulling for the team the way I was, right? And and what I really learned from Rob is that this is such a team game. It's it's all about the team. That's all that matters. Any individual accolades that you'll get uh, will be will be exasperated if the team succeeds. If that makes sense. No, no, and I'll, I'll give credit to your guy Trevor Hargrove on this. You know, Trevor makes a great point: is that when you're in college, especially a team like UC Riverside, you're not LSU, right? You're not Georgia Tech. When you guys do well, a lot of guys get drafted. You know, it just it just it raises the profile of everybody. And he talked about the 2017, uh, 2017 that won that had a I think they had he was saying like ten or twelve guys drafted. A lot of dudes. Um, but yeah. even those 09 and 2010 teams that didn't get to the postseason, you guys won so much and played all these high high profile teams that you beat. It just put a lot of guys on the radar. And, you know, of course, you know, the Brantleys and the Andreeses, those guys are the outliers. Joe Kelly, because they're drafted early. I think they're all in the third round. Right. But, you know, baseball teams are built between, like, the 10th and the 30th rounds. Can you find the, you know, the diamond in the rough in those middle rounds, you know? And for a guy like you, for, you know, guys like you and Trevor, that's how you live the dream. You get drafted. You know, I think Trevor was in the 18th round, you know, and, and you yep. go, you get you get an opportunity to play. Um and that's not talked about enough. I wanted to give Trevor uh, credit for that. The last thing before I let you go, um, there's been a lot of news about UCR athletics. And I don't know how serious I've talked to a lot of people. Nobody can really give me a straight answer. It it worries me though, that it was in the executive memo. There was an executive memo about a budgetary problem at UC Riverside. And one of the options listed on the memo was to, uh, finish and, 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 and end UCR athletics. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you and I met through UCR athletics and you, you sure. played four years of baseball at UC Riverside and obviously it enhanced your student experience. Just give me a, a short thought on that. Obviously I know you want them to keep UCR athletics, but give me kind of a little bit of a deeper explanation about why they should do it. This is like, it's a little bit of an emotional one for me, I think. Uh, sure it is. Let me let me think about it for a second before I answer. Well, it obviously, it meant a lot to you, correct? Right. right. Well, I mean, I, I fan, like that was, those guys are my family, like still to this day, right? So, I I can't imagine. I mean, you said it enhanced my campus life, it enhanced my college experience. I think that Riverside's a community that has. You know, hear, hearing hearing stories from Doug about how he grew up in Riverside and he just loves loves the community. His wife's involved in the community so heavily still. Um, you know, and, and you you look at you look at two human beings like that and a family like that that grows up and and raises their kids in Riverside. And you think about Doug and his wife and how they are just you see Riverside people through and through like that that is that campus is kind of the staple of that area like we've seen we've seen um you know throughout the years uh the mission in and they've renovated downtown and it's it's they've really kind of uh spruced it up even since i've been there and it's only been 10 years since i've been there right so uh since i walked on that campus as a student athlete but but that I don't think that people really realize unless you've spent a lot of time in the area and a lot of time on campus and with the people, how much of a staple the, that athletic program 
how important that athletic program is to the community. Um, and it would it would obviously be devastating if, if they ended up cutting it. But I, I will say, let me put a positive spin on it, because I will say that in, in times like these, 2020 has been the craziest year we've ever seen in, in our lifetime, for sure. I think that's safe to say just for a lot of reasons, Corona being one of them, right? Um, I, I would be I would be surprised. I'm not surprised at all to see that being one of the options. I'd love to see is is that a you know I, I think I think a lot will be a lot will become clearer here uh, towards the end of the year and as we head into 2021 about what it's going to shape out to be. So I'm not overly concerned that that's right now that that's yes I could see it would be in the executive notes or you know or is that what you said the executive notes yeah like whatever the summary they put out the public which is public consumption that's what concerned me right you know, they're having private conversations you were but the fact they put it out publicly means they're floating this to get an idea you know take the temperature of the community yeah and I'd be surprised you know I based on what's everything that's happened in 2020 I'd be surprised if that was right because to to be honest we just don't know there's a lot of uncertainty about what what the virus is going to do and what have you and how people are going to react to it and i think that uh to have any options off the table at this point wouldn't wouldn't be a, a prudent decision so um i'm not surprised to see that i don't know how viable of an option it is but uh, I, I really hope it doesn't come to fruition Dan Pellegrino, as always, great to talk to you. Uh, UCR alum, uh, pro baseball, and a little background in pro baseball, still still coaching and teaching, and most importantly, big-time, lifetime Padre fan. Good luck <laughs> to you guys against the Dodgers. I think it's going to be a great series. I think it's going to be a great series. It, I, can't, I can't wait. I, I, we, we got uh, probably some, some uh, illegal social gatherings uh, coming up. I don't know if Gavin Newsom would be too happy with what – what we have on our plans for this week, but he's going to have to deal with it for one week because go pods. Go Padres. All right, Dan Pellegrino, thank you very much. All right, see ya.